BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 Plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack. Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and have an eaten heavy breakfast. O'Brien, uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack got mad boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack got mad boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, Cha Tung Ima Chechu Ron Tani Ichu. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Polkobom. And I'm Joe McCormick. I recognize that as some form of alien language, and I don't think it's Klingon. No, it's the opening line to the immortal classic, Jedi Rocks, 
Oh, no. From the special edition of Return of the Jedi. Wow. The less said about that, the better. So let's move on. I, I could have gone with Yub Nub. Oh, <laughs> I love Yub Nub. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually a much bigger fan of Yub Nub. We got Yub Nub. Yeah. But Did uh, you know that there is, there's actually a translation of those lyrics available online? I really? found the sheet music one time. Of course oh, there man. is. You might guess from the way we're prattling on about Star Wars music that today is a Star Wars related topic. Yeah. So, uh, of course, the, the trailer for Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, came out. And um, I don't know about you guys. I, I, I thought it was a very exciting teaser based upon the fact that it gives us no information at all about the story, but it, it felt uh, Star Warsy to me. Visually, it was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah you know, I, I am cautious about my expectations for this movie, but I have to admit the trailer gave me a thrill, especially it was the moment of seeing the stormtroopers in the sort of like, uh, dark lighting and loading mm-hmm. from some kind of transport. I was like, wow. This is the Empire again. And the I, I felt excited. X-Wings skimming over the water was really exciting. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the soundtrack for me. It's that yeah. really yeah. iconic soundtrack that always gets me. And But, uh, of course, we should get to the most contentious part of yes. the trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is... The of course, l- the broadsword lightsaber. Yes. Right. Yes, the lightsaber that has a cross guard on it. Uh, well, and, not just a cross guard. It is a cross guard made of the lightsaber energy material, stuff. whatever you call that. Yeah. 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 So uh, obviously one of those things that was going to be divisive. I mean, anytime you, you drift away from a design that is considered iconic, people are going to have a lot to say about it. Personally, I'm like, bring it on. I I love to see the different variations of lightsabers. I don't care if you can make it work in the context of the story. I don't care about that initial, well, that's weird. I, I can get over that. Yeah, I don't really have a feeling about it one way or another yet. Uh, I've just noticed that a lot of times nerds don't like change. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I've, I've never fought with a sword with a cross guard, so I'm not sure what function they actually play. Uh, yeah, it's the protect the hand. Um, I fought Wouldn't with a sword with a cross guard. the opposite of protecting the hand? Well, it's though, meant it's so that if the, fiery if the other burning? lightsaber blade were to go oh. down your blade, then oh, okay. it protects your hand from getting... Yeah, you notice that a lot of Jedi are missing an arm. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a big that's not a big surprise. Um yeah, they, I mean it's the difference between the katana tiny little cross guard and the broadsword broad cross guard. Okay, well, okay. Let's try to bring this a little bit into the real world. Okay. And whether it's a lightsaber with a cross guard or without one, could we ever make something like a lightsaber in the real world? And to really understand this, I thought first it would be kind of fun. Uh, also kind of s- silly to talk about how lightsabers work within the Star Wars universe, just to understand okay. what they are in that fictional world. Yeah. What's the techno mythology? Right. And uh well, first, we have to say that if you're going by canon and <laughs> canonical Star Wars is merely the stuff that appears in the movies. That's that's the way. And then some Clone Wars stuff, too. OK, but but Lucas it's the had- opposite of heretical. Star Wars. <laughs> Lucas Lucas had always maintained that the movies were that was Star Wars and that all the expanded universe stuff was interesting but it didn't it didn't impact the mythology yeah. laid out in the film. Exactly. Right? It wasn't it wasn't meant to be taken as this is actually what happened either before, after or at the same time as the stuff that was going on in the movies. The movies are it and then everything else is just kind of you know, Licensed superfluous. Yeah. Fiction. Yeah. So he, um, you know, he never really got into how lightsabers are constructed. Now, it's definitely part of your training as a Jedi. 
we do hear that you have constructed your own lightsaber. Your training as a Jedi is complete. Mm -hmm. So that is considered the, uh, I guess, the the graduation. Like, this is your thesis, is your lightsaber. So we know that much. So what do you, what do you use for your lightsaber training while you're in training? Uh, usually, I guess you would use a loner lightsaber. I mean, <laughs> they've got a lightsaber pool. Maybe a wooden lightsaber, out. like they do in in Japanese bow. You know, oh, could be. Okay. I mean, Luke used his father's. I mean, that was Anakin's yeah. lightsaber that he used until uh, until he lost it in Bespin, um, and along with the hand that was holding it, but. Uh, <laughs> So the the rules for Star Wars in general, this is laid out in the the somewhat apocryphal expanded universe, are that the lightsabers have to be made by a Jedi in order to focus the blade. You have to have the force or. Yeah, yeah. You, you at least have to be very strong in the force because right. not all people strong in the force are Jedi. That's true. You have to at least be able to use the force to construct the lightsaber, uh, even if you are incredibly adept with technology. The story is that unless you have the force, you cannot create a lightsaber without the danger of it exploding in your hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's because it's driven by a couple of crystals and you have to align them so precisely. Otherwise, yes, explodey times. Right. So only someone <laughs> only someone trained in the force can get those to be in perfect alignment. Uh, so <laughs> because they have incredible pros prosthetics in this past future science region, but they don't have quantum mechanics. That's okay. Yeah, no, 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 I yeah. buy it. That's well, fine. That's you know, fine. In, in the original <laughs> Star Wars, before the prequels came out, it was all mysticism. And mysticism doesn't need to follow the rules of science. It's only when we get into the prequels with midichlorians that we... Okay, I'm don't, not going to go down that don't road. Don't say that no, word. No, no, That's no, bad. Gonna... We're not... We, we, null, bleep that out. Oh, yeah, that, that is a bleepable word. So at any rate, uh, they are... The blades themselves are a pure plasma that's contained within a force field. So the force field is meant to do two things. It's meant to keep the plasma in the right shape, which is the shape of a blade. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also meant to contain that intense heat to the blade itself so that the person wielding the blade doesn't get burned in the process. Yay! Uh, two very important things. Yes. Now, plasma, for those of you who are not familiar, that's an ionized gas. It is the most plentiful form of matter in the universe. It's what stars are made of. Yeah, not so much here on Earth. Yeah. I mean, we've got some. Oh, but, yeah, sure, sure. But it's not, you know, we're used to solid or liquid or gas. But plasma is, in fact, the most the most uh, plentiful version and it is an ionized gas. Right. So that means that the atomic nuclei, the, the protons and neutrons at the middle of the atom have become separated from their electrons. Or they've gained more because yeah. technically you could have a plasma where you have more electrons. But either way, they are they are conductive, electrically conductive. Right. So that's and that's the the cool thing about plasma is that because they're electrically conductive, we can do some neat stuff with it. Uh, some of the things we do with plasma tend to be pretty uh, intense, like creating plasma cutters that can cut through sheet metal with like very little effort, which is awesome. And we've also talked on this show about the the potential for plasma waste converters that mm -hmm. would use the intense heat of plasma to break down the molecular bonds in trash so that it either turns into a gas form that you can then turn into syngas, which you can use as fuel. Or it turns into slag, liquid slag that you can drain off and then it, it kind of dries into what looks like volcanic rock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, on a much smaller level, the uh, fluorescent lights that exist are, are all filled with basically plasma. Once you turn them on, uh, it ionizes gas inside of the 
inside of the tube, and that is how the light is created a few steps down the road. Right, exactly. You've got some other stuff that fluoresces once it's impacted by that light. You are exactly right. So these are all things that we use plasma for. But getting back to Star Wars, you've got these crystals that Lauren was talking about. You have the primary crystal. This is the thing that forms the blade. Um, also, depending upon the version that you're reading or playing or whatever, it, it's what determines the color of the blade. And then you've got the focusing crystal that creates the the, the proper blade shape within that force field. Um, within the lore of the Jedi, the Jedi tend to uh, harvest their crystals from natural formations. They have to go on some kind of like vision quest to find their crystal or something. Yeah, yeah. isn't there a specific planet they have to go to there, to get it? There is a planet that has uh, like giant caverns filled with crystals, and the two most common types are blue and green. Although there are other versions that are found throughout the Star Wars universe as well. Of course, you got Mace Windu's purple lightsaber, which, as far as I know, is the only. Uh, time that you ever see one like that. The original story that George Lucas had, they were just going to be silver, but then he found that different colors showed up better against the backgrounds, and so it was a purely practical decision to make them different colors. No, and they they look look great. I'm very glad that they were not just plain silver. Me too, although it does mean that... I like seeing green versus orange. Yeah? I think that works pretty well. I think it's pretty funny that, that people had to invent reasons for the different colors other than the fact that it was a practical film effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and other than the fact that, like, for example, Samuel L. Jackson really wanted a purple lightsaber. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, the Sith, they use red ones because those crystals are uh, synthetic. They they grow those crystals. They manufacture them. Whoa. And it's, it's meant to make the blade more aggressive. I don't know what that specifically means, but anyway, it's... Oh, I'm sure that if you're synthetically creating a crystal, it can be more pure and therefore uh, can function better. That's yeah. that's kind of that's sort of weird, like anti technology. That that's fine. No, 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 no. I'm, yeah. I'm coming back from it. Wouldn't it be so much worse to get cut in half by a red lightsaber than a blue lightsaber? I I I dread the day when I'm cut in half with a red lightsaber. It's. <laughs> uh, did you guys get to see the video where I talked about lightsabers? I got to wield a blue one. It was mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> I was so pleased. All right. So anyway, uh, there's some things that lightsabers can't cut through within the lore of Star Wars. Again, this is in the expanded universe. So essentially, it's whatever's important to the plot. It's kind of like Doctor Who's uh, oh, yeah. sonic screwdriver. Yeah, oh no, the sonic screwdriver can't do that. Nothing but that. Yeah, but... yeah. If only, or if only it didn't have a whatever kind of lock it is. <laughs> it's just like how the replicator can't recreate just a few things that yeah. are crucial to the plot. Yeah, like latinum. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So same sort of deal. The idea that this plasma thing, there's certain things that just resist it. But anyway, that's how they work. In, in the Star Wars universe, however, or at least according to the expanded universe, if you were to just watch the movies, you wouldn't get any of this stuff. It doesn't look <laughs> like a plasma blade at all. It doesn't look like it's plasma. It looks like it's some sort of laser sword that just yeah. ends you know, three feet from the, the end of the hilt. Yeah. And, and furthermore, I mean, their description of the of the techno science that that happens in order to make lightsabers function what they're describing is is way more like a like a laser yeah. than like a plasma creator right thing. right if you wanted to create plasma then you would need to run a high voltage electrical current and then pass some sort of gas through that in order to ionize it right mm-hmm. right you use a, a an arc an electrical yep. arc and and the sound that that lightsabers make is indeed an arc wave noise yeah, yeah. um but 
but it looks more but like it looks like a laser. So, um, so and we, so so what about lasers? I mean, yeah. like they can cut stuff in real life. We have laser cutters, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we have lightsabers? So uh, the biggest problem is um, figuring out how to make those lightsabers coalesce into a shape and stay that way. Uh, but to understand that, we got to talk about the nature of light, right? That what what is it about light? That makes it so difficult for us to force it into, and I don't mean force in the Jedi sense, into a specific shape. Well, I mean, one of the things about light is that in a vacuum, at least, light always travels at a constant speed, which is the speed of light. Right. And so it's not like a piece of matter that you can put down on a table and put into the shape you want it. I mean, it's traveling at the speed of light. Now, that speed varies in different media, like in Mm -hmm. a certain gas atmosphere mixture or through glass or something like that. But even then, it's got a constant rate of travel, and it doesn't want to slow down except under some very bizarre physical conditions that we can create. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, and basically, like, like we don't have a force field material that is air. Right. <laughs> that, that can hold light within it. Yeah, yeah. That's another big issue. And also... Light, it's made up of photons, right? That's the that's the force carrying particle of light, right? Which is, to all intents and purposes, massless. I mean, you can talk about how it has a relativistic mass, uh, as a, a rest zero mass uh, state. So it's it's this particle that doesn't have mass the way we would think of physical particles having mm-hmm. it. Uh, one result of that is that you cannot clash. Two two beams of light, two lasers, for example, together, yeah, and and have them produce interact. sparks, have yeah. them interact, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Well, right. you could, you can't have a lightsaber duel. You would they would just pass right through each other right. when you slammed them together. Right. Photons don't interact with one another under regular conditions. They will pass directly through them. If we were to have these laser beams or lights or whatever. You wouldn't see this interruption. I mean, you, it, it might look weird where the two beams cross, but they would continue on their path as if nothing had happened. There's not like some sort of weird divergence because of them. Speaking of continuing on their path, that's uh-huh. another problem with trying to make a real lightsaber with a laser. A laser, you can't make a laser that's just, okay, go three feet out and then stop right there. Right. Light continues to travel until it reflects off of something yeah it could be absorbed by something reflect yeah. off something but 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 either way basically every time that luke turns his lightsaber on uh <laughs> it's just gonna like go through the hull of the fal- of the millennium falcon right and, and then everyone, kill everybody yeah the ship implodes out we all die like, yeah. oh, oh, it was ri- even written on the handle i shouldn't have done that um yeah it's <laughs> it's a problem uh so these are all really difficult issues that are these are non-trivial problems, right? If you wanted to make your own lightsaber and you wanted this to make it why, out of light. This is why Jonathan does not have one. Yeah. No, one of the many reasons I probably wouldn't be allowed to have one if we could make one. But I certainly can't have one because of the laws <laughs> of physics. Um, but I wanted to talk about an experiment that happened in 2013. That's really cool. It actually has photons behaving in a way that's similar to what you would see in a lightsaber. Uh, in fact, that was the the analogy that almost every press release used to talk about this experiment. They talked about two things, that the light would behave like 
atoms in a molecule, they would clump, the photons would clump together in this experiment. Pretty and, weird already. And that they could push against each other so that there could be a physical interaction between photons, which normally would never happen. That's similar to how, you could think of it one of two ways, how uh, a lightsaber holds together or how two lightsabers can have this impact Clash and resistance. Clash off of one another. Right. Yeah. So... Here's the experiment. It, t- it took place, and this is the best name for a center I have ever read, at the Harvard-MIT Center for Ultra-Cold Atoms. Uh, that's a very specific center. That is right. The yeah. Mitkua. <laughs> <laughs> the Mitkua. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they... Oh, s- excuse me. Yeah, I didn't mean to leave Harvard, Harvard off Harvard there. out. Yeah. The Hamitkua, the yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds like that could be an alien race from Star Wars, the Hamet Kua. Right. At any rate, the researchers supercooled some gas made out of rubidium atoms, and they used a laser to do it, which first, uh, when I read this, I had heard about laser cooling before, but I really wanted to know how it worked because it, it seems, seems so counterintuitive. Exactly. Usually, uh, photons excite atoms that they hit and uh, and make them move faster. And if anything, heat them up. Uh, if, if if nothing, have no effect. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. You would think of a, a laser generally being like something that, if it's powerful enough, and you point it at something that's flammable, that something's going to catch fire. You don't think of it as cooling it down. So, what actually is going on here? Well. Now we get into another weird thing about photons. So photons don't really have mass, but they do have momentum. Mm-hmm. And momentum means that they have some energy that they can impart to other uh, particles. So imagine that you've got an atom moving in a straight line. And in opposite direction, you mount a laser pointed at that atom and you fire the laser. The momentum of those photons will start to slow that atom down. Now, ultimately, like you were saying, Lauren, heat is really atomic movement or molecular movement. It's mm-hmm. it's the movement of particles. So if you slow a particle down, you are cooling it down. And if you get it to the point where it's not moving at all, it's at zero Kelvin, right? That's that's absolute zero where there's no molecular movement and it's as cold as it can get. Um, barring the negative Kelvin stories that we've seen in scientific experiments that are too confusing to go into right now. <laughs> but at any rate... Um, if you use lasers in this way, you can actually slow down atoms. You have to keep hitting them the right way to, mm-hmm. to cool them and cool them and cool them until they are ultra cold. So once I figured that part out, and by figured that part out, I mean read about other people who figured this stuff out long before I ever even knew it existed. I didn't come up with this, obviously. Uh, once I once I learned that part, I thought, all right, so what is going on once these rubidium atoms are ultra cold and you've got this gas cloud of ultra cold atoms. Well, at that point, they would introduce a photon into the gas cloud. Now, we're talking about a single photon in this case. The photon would enter the gas cloud, transfer some of its energy, the momentum that it has, to some of the rubidium atoms, and the light would slow down. This is what you were talking about, Joe, how light travels at different speeds through different media. Right. So it's technically going slower than the speed of light because we tend to mean the speed of light as the speed of light through a vacuum. Right. So it goes a little slower than that. But once it escapes out the other side of the gas cloud, that energy rejoins with the photon. So it now is traveling. It doesn't continue to travel at that slower speed. It's now moving through the normal speed it would through whatever medium it's going through at this point. Mm -hmm. So everything... In the balance returns is, to normal. Right. You don't have an imbalance in the universe and suddenly there's a black hole and MIT <laughs> is like, whoops. So um, <laughs> so what happens if you put two photons in this? 
And this is where we get into another really odd yeah, physics I, I don't concept. think that the experimenters were expecting this at all. It's certainly something that, that had been theorized before, but never directly observed. And the idea is called the Reedberg blockade, which is... Sounds like some also sort of, sounds like something from Star Wars, right? Yeah, the Reedberg blockade runner. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what <laughs> caused the prequels to happen, right? The, oh, no. There was the whole Reedberg blockade around Naboo, right? Yeah. Um, no, what the Reedberg blockade is in physics is this concept that let's say you've got uh, a, a sol- several atoms together, uh, and like in a gas of let's say ultra cold rubidium, for example, if you were to excite one of those atoms. You could not excite the neighboring atoms to that same degree. You could not add as much energy as you did to that first atom to the surrounding atoms. Okay. So it's it's almost like there's a saturation there. So when two photons would enter this gas cloud, there would be this kind of push-pull relationship between the photons that was limited by the fact that once one photon passed on energy to a rubidium atom, the other one couldn't do the same with the other nearby rubidium atoms. Uh, right. It's like that that second photon needs the first photon to move out of the way, to yeah. go ahead and move forward before the second one can go on and affect the particles to, to lose that energy into the particles around it. Right. Um. So... It winds up being the sort of like like leapfrog sort of action where where each one is pushing and pulling the other until they both exit the cloud. Yeah. As a single mushy photon unit. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. Like now, a photon molecule. This yeah. is so nuts. It is bonkers. Now they they refer to it specifically as a photonic interaction that's mediated by the atomic interaction, meaning that normally under regular circumstances these two photons wouldn't even have any interaction with one another. It's only because of this particular uh, effect, the Reedberg blockade, that this is happening at all. It's sort of like two people talking to each other at a party who otherwise would never have anything to do with one another. <laughs> it's exactly like that. That's, <laughs> But that's... only because uh, after the first person started talking, everybody around him or her got so bored that they couldn't listen to a second person. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is starting to sound eerily like every party experience I've been in. Yeah. All right. At any rate, uh, so the question is: Now we've got this idea, this this particular situation, this this particular implementation, if you will, where we've got light seemingly pushing against itself. We've got this ability for light to actually exert some sort of physical force on itself. Photons are interacting. So, does that mean we could finally build real lightsabers? No. You no, know, not at all. So disappointed in that. In the video, my favorite part of the video is this is the point where I my lightsaber turns on, right? I've got the lightsaber. I'm like, so could we make a real lightsaber? And then I say, no. And I look sad and the lightsaber slowly oh. goes down. I, oh. I had come up with that gag when we were <laughs> when we were getting ready to shoot and they laughed so hard. They said, all right, well, that's what we have to do now. <laughs> so uh, so I was glad that I got one, got to wield a lightsaber and two, got to make it the subject of a sight gag. Uh, that was it, a little behind the gag, forward thinking. Segment. Yeah. Well, you know, once in a while, I'm so proud of a dumb joke I make. I have to talk about it. <laughs> if you haven't seen the video, you should go check it out. It actually it came out really well. But uh, it, there are some things that this might help us do down the road. Uh, again, this would require a lot more development and experimentation to make sure that we could, in fact, use light to do these sort of things. But one of the things that was suggested was that we could end up with using a, a lights actually interacting with the photons interacting with each other. We could use that as the basis for some some quantum computing uh, computations. 
So one of the issues huh. with quantum computing is figuring out how to create this quantum state that's as stable as you can possibly make it, um, which is difficult, right? I mean, yeah. if any disturbance of a quantum state and it, it you lose coherence. Dissolves, and then, yeah. yeah. So they have talked about using photonic interactions, but how do you get the photons to interact? And this may be an inroad to that. We're Maybe. still, yeah, we're still way in the early stages, but it's a possibility. And another one that the project leader had apparently mentioned that I think is bizarre is the idea that eventually we might get to a point where you can make three-dimensional objects out of light, including crystals. That is so bizarre to me because I'm trying to picture, let's say you could create a stationary 3D object out of light. Mm -hmm. What would that look like? I mean, considering the fact that how something looks is the light coming from it reaching your eyes. Right. And if the light is not leaving the object, but remaining as part of it. I, uh, this entire thing is breaking my brain. I'm not sure. I, the, the closest I can guess is, is that it's some kind of hologram looking thing. Yeah. Maybe, well, I, maybe, I mean, would other light reflect maybe off other of it? Photons bounce off of those photons. Or... Right. Well, cause yeah, if you're talking about if it's acting otherwise the way light would, then you wouldn't have photonic interactions in the first place. Would it be invisible? Yeah. I don't know. The thing about it is that this is all coming from uh, a... This is sorcery, Jonathan. Yeah. It's witchcraft. I don't want to hear any more. <laughs> Look, hokey religions have no place in this podcast. Oh, oh. Uh, no, this, this is all coming from Har the Harvard Gazette. The Harvard right. Gazette reported on this, and it was the project... No, I believe you. I'm not saying you got your story from the National Enquirer. Sure, I mean, no. <laughs> I, I just wanted to explain to our listeners, it yeah. came from the Harvard Gazette, which did not go into detail... Uh, the, the researcher, the lead researcher, uh, Lucan didn't, <laughs> Lucan, that's great, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, did not go into detail, or at least the story didn't, about what, how this would happen or what it would mean or what it would look like. It's literally a sentence. It's like which, this kind of throwaway line way at the end of the article. Yeah. In fact, I can read it right now. It says, Lucan also suggested that the system might one day even be used to create complex 3D structures, such as crystals wholly out of light. Now, granted, that may not be a physical structure. It may simply be a 3D structure, uh -huh. which would be closer to a hologram. So then we might say it's a three-dimensional structure made of light, but it is not ex itself physical. You couldn't touch it. Well, light, light is physical. You, you mean it wouldn't be substantial. Right. Well, um, when I say a physical object, yeah. that's what I mean, as opposed to an ethereal object. You mean object. something you can poke. Yeah. I think we should, we should email this person and try to figure out what the heck that means. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I would love to hear back I from I want him. some photon crystals right now. Yeah. And yes. and if it's and if it is a hologram, then we can update our holograms episode. Yeah. So yeah. no matter what we win. Okay, well, I think we should go down another road because obviously that's really interesting on its own, but it's really not a path to lightsabers. Sure. No, no. And I think that really they talked about it in in terms of lightsabers because that's a kitschy, fun way to to get people interested in your research. I agree. If you yeah. mention Star Wars, people are going to be like, "Oh, I want to read that article." So, well, I mean, if it helps with quantum computing and stuff like that, this is probably actually more useful than a real lightsaber <laughs> would be. I right? Mean, uh, what's the point of a real lightsaber <laughs> other than that it's cool? Yeah, I think the cool factor is pretty much the only reason you would want a lightsaber. <laughs> Pox on thy tongue, sir. Yeah. Well. I mean, lightsabers I, well, are infinitely useful. Okay. No, I'm you sorry. Can cut and toast your bagel at the same time. <laughs> Great point. I take it all back. Lightsabers are more important than curing any disease, than solving any problem on Earth. 
Okay. Number Welcome one, number one problem. Okay, so how else could we make one? Well, earlier we talked about plasma. Right. I think we we may have decided that lasers are just there's just it's nothing doing. You, you no. can't make a lightsaber out of lasers, as far as we know. It's impractical for at, at least three or four reasons. We sure. Talked about. But what about plasma? So again, plasma, it, it's ionized, superheated gas. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like cloud of incredibly hot stuff. Sounds like kind of like a lightsaber blade to me. Sure. We mentioned earlier that the Star Wars Expanded Universe specifically said that lightsaber blades were made of plasma. And I think that's actually a good place to look. Actually, on his Science Channel show, Michio Keku thought the same thing about maybe we need to look less at a laser and more at something like a plasma torch Mm -hmm. as the basis for a real-life lightsaber. Like a really big plasma torch. Yeah, so what is a plasma torch? It's it's a thing you use for what's called plasma cutting, where you would be cutting really, really tough materials, say like uh, sheets of steel, even ones that are several inches thick. And a plasma torch works by creating a flow of pressurized gas, like, and it could just be oxygen from the air. It mm-hmm. doesn't really matter too much what the gas is. You can use different kinds of gas. And then it ignites an electrical arc that causes the gas to ionize and turn into plasma. So the atomic nuclei lose the electrons, and the gas becomes so hot right now. <laughs> this jet of That's painful ridiculously hot plasma. Uh, shoots out the tip of the torch, and it becomes kind of a super blade. It can cut through steel, iron. It, it's just killer. Yeah. Obviously, this sounds like what a lightsaber is. Right. But it's just a little kind of... It's more like a light stub yeah. than a saber. It doesn't... It's, like a it's light not like something tack. Yeah, you could really duel with. <laughs> so uh, Keku looked at that, and he was like, well, we could modify this in several ways to make it more like the lightsabers in the movie. And so he had a few stipulations for the, the real approximation of a lightsaber. He said it had to be, it had to reach temperatures of 12,000 degrees. I assume he meant Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he said though, but Fahrenheit. Yeah. So it could quote slice through steel like butter. Why is it always like butter? There are so many other things that are easy to slice through. Well, butter is one of those most common ones. I mean, I guess you could say, like, marshmallow fluff, but that's not as common as butter. Why not, like, jello? Could slice through steel like jello. Oh, jello is proprietary. Oh, that's a good point. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he like also. Gelatinized dessert treat. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, no, we're going to get sued now. Uh, he stipulated that it actually had to function in a duel so you can clash swords, so to speak. Mm. And, uh, and also, it has to be basically lightsaber sized sure okay yeah, yeah. if you're gonna make a lightsaber it needs to be lightsaber sized yeah. sure okay so he designed this proposal where it would be something like a lightsaber handle it's a little uh it's a little cylinder that you mm-hmm. can fit in your hand at the bottom of the cylinder is a titanium fan that sucks in a bunch of air and then the air is ionized and heated to twelve thousand degrees again i assume he means fahrenheit and the blade part is a telescoping rod of ceramic tubes that extend out from the handle. So you've got a solid 
uh, fount core for your blade. Right, the blade. So it, it'd be like one of those toy lightsabers where you whip it out and it telescopes out in little pieces of, of cylindrical material. I'm familiar with them. Yes, I had one as a child. <laughs> I have one now. Uh, nice. <laughs> Uh, but of course, uh, and it would have to be ceramics because they'd be the only thing that could withstand, withstand that heat. heat. Yeah. Sure. And so he proposed you drill a bunch of holes in them, and then this sort of becomes the conduit through which the plasma outflow is directed. So gotcha. the plasma goes out through the handle, up through this tube that telescopes outward, and then escapes through all these little holes, creating a, uh, little, a blade around that sort, ceramic yeah, tube, like okay. a cloud of superheated plasma around this tube. Yeah, you could think of it as kind of like each of those holes becomes its own little plasma cutter. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, and if you've got enough of them close enough together, then you've just got a big plasma cutter field. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that sounds to... dangerous as heck. <laughs> it does. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and he also proposed you have an electromagnetic coil inside the blade assembly. And that keeps the plasma sort of tight against the surface oh, of the right, blade. Oh, right, right, because you can control plasma with uh, electromagnetic fields. Right, yep. because it's charged, yeah, right? It's got, and so it's conductive, you, you yeah. can use yeah. a magnet to control where it goes. Yeah, and that would be important because otherwise, if it's talking about creating an ionized gas and you have no way of controlling it, then you rapidly turn into the, a self-melting mechanism. <laughs> that you turn it on. It's actually really a Jedi eliminator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just, this was a terrible idea. Yeah. Uh, so the other big question is, what about power? So to create something as hot as a lightsaber blade, you need way more power than you could fit in something like a lightsaber handle with conventional batteries. So he proposes this array of trillions of nano batteries based on carbon nanotubes. Man, I love I love that whenever you need to do something with future technology, Magic. you just put nano in front of it, and it's like, oh yeah. I well, would love carbon to, nanotubes. I would love to have they are these they are the they are the force of real science. I where can I where can I pick some of these up? Because I am tired of changing out batteries and everything. This sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah, let's well, do it. Let's do it tomorrow. They don't, yeah, they don't really exist yet. Say what? They would so, hypothetically <laughs> deliver the power necessary to fit inside the handle. But, so so uh, the stuff that doesn't exist could help power this other yeah. thing that doesn't exist. Yeah, yes. he sort of implies this might be doable <laughs> within 50 years. Okay. Uh, I suppose an alternative would be to power it with a cord. <laughs> okay. You just plug it on in. To, right, so, I don't know. You... I don't know what the voltage requirements on that would be, oh, but it yeah. might require yeah. a pretty heavy-duty cord. I, I think that we should go back to our often uh, referenced uh, energy backpack, like a little engine backpack that you can right. wear yeah. everywhere. I think that that would be real good for this for this well, particular thing. We should go make into you a that little less field. agile. You can't do all those flips and stuff. Well, uh, you two, just have to train harder. Two, on, two on, things. <laughs> two things. One. The Death Star was infamous for having really inconvenient power outlets. So. <laughs> Lightsaber battles would be like, get over here. I'm, like, I'm, I'm 30 feet away. I can't get any closer. The cord only reaches so far. Right. Oh, and um, then you blow a fuse. I, it's, yeah. Like, all the lights go down. Power, the life support is gone. It's terrible. But the other thing, the other thing that, what well, that was a total joke, obviously, but the, the other thing, which is not a total joke, is that within the expanded universe, the predecessors to the lightsabers that we see in the movies, according to some of the expanded universe, actually did have a connection, a physical cord that went back to a power pack that was oh. worn on the back. Wow. So hey. you actually did have the predecessors to Jedi and Sith wielding these these plasma blades that were powered by this enormous at, pack. At, at that point, it's essentially a proton pack. Yeah, it kind of is. That's okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 
so when I went into uh, watching this episode he did on it, I, I, I sort of had my BS detector ready. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm a little skeptical about yeah. this. But then I was like, well, you know, that's not a bad way of approaching it. That that actually seems pretty smart to me, uh, especially be- because he just conceded you're going to have to have some material telescoping rod at the center of it. Right. That seems like the only reasonable way to do this. Right. We can't create some sort of electromagnetic force field that's in the shape of a hollow tube with a cap at the end through yeah. which plasma could inhabit we yeah. can't do that and and that's e- even other fictional forms of lightsabers like the like the energy sword mm-hmm. in halo um it is constructed in a similar manner with with a force field and some kind of ionized gas and then you electrify it and and it's warm <laughs> and yeah. cutty nice uh but yeah i had a couple of questions about a design like this though and one of them would be would you have to wear eye protection to duel with one of these things yeah. I mean, oh, man. That would be such a bummer if you had to wear a steam, mask. Steampunk. It would just all be steampunk. Actually, lightsaber. That might be kind of cool. Wielders. Yeah. Well, yeah. First of all, Darth Vader did it all the time, dude. <laughs> uh, and yeah. he was he was pretty awesome. Maybe that's what that blast shield that Luke's wearing in the but first. But with the blast movie shield for. down, I can't see anything. How am I expected to fight? That maybe the same is true of the welder's mask. Well, anyway, so I should back up. People who do plasma cutting need to wear eye protection to avoid a condition called welder's flash or arc eye. Uh, the cornea can get damaged by exposure to UV light, just kind of the same way your cornea can get damaged if you stare at the sun. Sure. Uh, and the arc that turns the rushing gas into hot plasma can give off that UV light. So staring at a plasma torch arc is a bad idea. It's kind of like staring at the sun. Uh, and you, you need to wear eye protection, but perhaps in this setup, the UV producing elements are actually hidden from view since the arc itself seems to be inside the handle. I, I don't know for sure if you were to actually try to make something like this, but if that's could, one possibility. Well, the UV radiation yeah, has sure. to go somewhere, right? It can't just continuously dissipate inside the handle. It would eventually make its way out. So essentially what we're saying is that Jedi would have to wear shades just makes him cooler (laughs) well the other thing is you mentioned that energy has to go somewhere i'm not sure exactly how the uv would work maybe it wouldn't actually be a uvi risk but you would have a lot of energy in this thing in your hand yeah i mean this is a a highly highly energetic object and i i don't know like eh, i don't know would you be able to hold it like (laughs) Well, even if you were able to direct the the flow such that you didn't have to worry about heat building up in the actual handle, the blade itself would be incredibly hot. Now, air is not a good conductor of heat. Um, you know, it, it, it will get warmer and warmer. I mean, that's like if you're standing near a source of heat like a fire, you're going to feel the heat increase as you get closer to it. So imagine holding... Uh, a long blade that's at 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit, that's going to get a little toasty after a while, even considering the fact that air is a poor conductor of heat. Um, and if you're swinging it around all over the place, well, two things. One, you've got this plasma trail going everywhere because we don't have any way of keeping it truly locked to the blade shape. And two, uh, it's the convection that you're causing by the air molecules moving around means that air around you is going to get hotter faster. Also, really what we're talking about is that we need to have uh, super advanced air conditioning systems. Yes. Um, and also all Jedis wear, is it is it singular or plural? Can, it, can, can I you think say it's Jedi. Jedi, Jedi yeah. period. Okay, cool. Uh, so all Jedi wear wicking undergarments. 
Uh, ice packs in the robes. Yeah, right. ice packs in the robes, sure. Uh, well, you know, I was just trying to think of an analogy. I don't know how, exactly how hot the heating element inside your oven gets. Surely it's I'm not 12,000 guessing... degrees. No. Uh, um, yeah. And so... I mean, since the inside of an oven tops out usually around five to 600 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm going to say less than 12,000. Yeah. 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 So if the, that heating <laughs> element, that little thing can heat your kitchen up, because if you turn your oven on high, your kitchen typically will get warm. Yeah. Um, if that'll heat up your kitchen that fast and it's not even close to 12,000 degrees and you've got the door shut, I, I don't know. It seems to me like a, a room could get pretty sweaty and nasty if it's got a lightsaber duel going on in it. Yeah. Yep. And if you, if you're sweating too hard to, to hold on to your lightsaber, that's just bad news. Also. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Imagine what would happen <laughs> if you, Joe and you, Lauren, each had one of these ceramic core plasma blades and then you swung them so that they hit together. I can't imagine that anything that came out of that would be good. <laughs> that I wouldn't sign up to try that. No, that. Yeah. No, we'd have to we'd have to build some sort of lightsaber swinging robot and have yeah. no emotional attachment to it whatsoever. Yeah. We'd have to make it real <laughs> ugly. Um, yeah. yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of a lizard. Like I'm sort of cold blooded. I really like warm things. But that sounds too warm. Yeah. Too so warm. so ultimately, I think we have to come down on the the side of lightsabers are are really cool fantasy slash science fiction idea. We can just stop it at fantasy yeah I think fantasy is what that is. well they it's not the, well the expanded universe tries to explain how it works so it kind of falls into science Listen fiction to the star wars apology I, I i think of star wars as fantasy more than science fiction but again the expanded universe attempts to explain the more mystical things that were just considered to be true in the in the movies um so, yeah, I don't think this is possible. I don't think we're ever going to have something that's truly analogous to a lightsaber in reality. And and like you said, Joe, I mean, really, bagel slicing aside, there the, the uses of a lightsaber would be really limited. There are other ways that we could uh, either cut things or fight off people <laughs> that probably are going to be distance oriented. We have actual plasma torches. We don't need yeah. lightsabers in yeah. our machining, you know workshops yeah yeah so i don't think this is ever gonna uh become possible the next question is that we'll have to tackle in a future episode will blasters ever be possible because blasters don't fire lasers because the projectiles move slower than the speed of light they move slower than bullets do so one wonders if we could actually make something that would be some sort of energy-based cohesive unit of whatever that could fly through the air slower than the speed of light and impact something. Yeah, they also fire plasma too, don't they? Again, I think it depends. You would have to look at I'm the expanded sure. universe. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't yeah. looked, in, looked into it. One more question. Okay. Why, why does the stormtroopers' armor not protect them from blasters at all? <laughs> yeah. What, what purpose does the stormtroopers' armor serve, considering that? It doesn't help against blasters. It doesn't, it doesn't help, help against, against sticks and rocks. It doesn't help against Ewoks. And it's clunky, slows you down, and it, and, and it is a problem. Like, it, it, 
it's an inhibitor of your vision. Like I don't under the the emperor really hates stormtroopers. He, yeah. he actually he just really this, hated Jango Fett a lot and in, wanted to kill him as many times as possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the entire series is just actually a story about how much the emperor wanted to kill. Jango right, yeah, Fett it's the untold but implied tale of Star Wars. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we've unraveled a mystery in this yeah. episode. Yeah, uh, I think we've done good work today. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think by deconstructing a beloved franchise, we have done our duty. Now, guys, you out there who have been listening to the show, what do you want us to cover in the future? Is there a science fiction type idea that you would like us to cover or just an interesting science story, technology story, something else that's future oriented? You've always wondered what blank will be like in the future. Please write us, let us know. We'll be happy to take a look at that topic. Our address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com or drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. At Twitter and Google+, we are fwthinking. Just search for fwthinking in Facebook. We'll pop right up. You can let us know that way, and you'll hear from us again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, Whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.
When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.